Welcome to the Digital Euro Podcast by the Digital Euro Association. In this podcast, you will learn about the disruption of technology in the monetary and financial system. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Euro Podcast, the podcast by the Digital Euro Association, a European think tank focusing on digital money and specifically the digital euro. I'm Sarah and I'm one of the executive directors of the DIA and today we will talk about the sand dollar in the Bahamas, one of the world's few live CBDCs actually out there, which was launched in 2020. And for this, I am joined by Yuzin Chua, who is the chief architect of the sand dollar and is also the founder of KDeFi, amongst other things. But Yuzin, I think you can give us a better introduction to yourself. Welcome and feel free to give us the background information we need to understand how you moved from being a CBDC architect to a DeFi founder. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, happy to, to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Yuzin Chua. I'm currently the co-founder and CTO of uh, DeFi. I've been, uh, so a bit of my, my background, I've been in the Bitcoin uh, space for a really, really long time. Uh, started since 2009. Uh, I was in cybersecurity, so into cryptography and all of that before Bitcoin uh, started. So I just happened to uh, stumble upon it on some, uh, one of the cybersecurity forums and uh, just got me hooked from uh, 2009 onwards, starting with uh, the white paper, starting with some mining and then build one of the first exchanges in Asia from around 2010 onwards all it's all on bitcoin and uh done a couple of projects uh on their mini on the tech side so we built um option exchange um back in around 2015 16. um yeah did a lot of uh projects around um bitcoin space and then later on moved on to uh, ethereum and Ethereum came around on 2015 started to write some open source uh, software around Ethereum to help developers get into Ethereum uh, easily. And that was the, the early days before uh, many of the tools were around. So I wrote one of the uh, early tools to get uh, people started to go Ethereum projects. And uh, yeah, and later on, uh, I mean, throughout the time, I was running a consultancy uh, known as Genesis, uh, based right here in Singapore. We have a small team of um, core developers on uh, projects around uh, centered around blockchain. So we built projects for our, um, MNCs and governments. Uh, some of those are proof of concepts, including the um, Singapore government. Um, I mean, those are not live. And um, yeah, so I was involved in uh, Sand Dollar in the Bahamas uh, from 2019. So I was the co-founder of the company that was awarded the, uh, the project called Enzia. Uh, and how we got how I got involved was that uh, it was approached by uh, IBM to do a joint uh, pitch to the Bahamas uh, government when we saw the tender, and um, so we got the um, in the there, there were a lot of um, um, proposals, and in the end uh, we end up winning that project. Um, so the company that won the project was known as NZIA NZIA. Uh, Z is for Genesis, and I is IBM, and then A is uh, kind of an alliance, and eventually it turned out into a company in Bahamas. And I was the co-founder and CTO of that company. And uh, we built uh, Sand Dollar. I was the chief architect of the whole thing, uh, building the whole uh, CBDC project from the ground up to where it is still running today. Um, yeah, quite proud of that. Um, it's like one of the first one in the world. 
and it's still operating today and actually being used by uh, retail users, um, everyday people. We see uh, projects have been pushed, actively pushed by the uh, government of uh, the Central Bank of Bahamas. Um, yeah, so very, very interesting there. And uh, around 2021, 20, January is where I left Enzia uh, to come back to uh, my route where I was doing uh, a lot of the uh, Bitcoin and decentralized finance uh, stuff and founded um, Cake DeFi uh, with my co-founder Julian Haas in a uh, what we do today is try to make um, DeFi accessible to regular users without having to um, manage like private keys and without having to deal with like, all the complicated smart contracts and all that. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Very, very, um, let's say a long way first from, from Bitcoin to CBDCs and then all the way to DeFi back there. Super interesting. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to hear about the lessons learned and also if your perspective uh, in Bitcoin and DeFi, you know, has given you a certain a certain edge or a different perspective um, as compared to other people on the team when creating the sand dollar. So to get started on kind of your lessons learned and the things um, that you want to share about the, the sand dollar, the developmental phase, and then also um, how it's been performing since its introduction, I'd first like you to kind of touch on um, the basic uh, concepts from the retail consumer's perspective. If I'm not mistaken, there were several reasons that the government gave for the introduction of the sand dollar, which were those specifically for the Bahamas. That's a, yeah, that's a very loaded question. I'll try my best to also answer that. Uh, also try to remember to recall as well the whole process. It's been a while now. Uh, I'm not super in touch in the whole CBDC space now. So I've been out for a while, but I have, uh, I was really active in the space and really on the ground as well. Um, um, so around 2019, when we, we, uh, when my company, which I founded um, on, the, on a blockchain consultancy company, was approached by IBM to build uh, the pitch for that project, uh, I think the, um, the reason why we want it, as far as I understood, is the difference between our pitch uh, compared to many others um, because we're, we center CBDC around, uh, we try to mimic the next closest thing that we're trying to um, uh, build. So the next closest thing for CBDC is actual cash. Uh, and the problem in the Bahamas um, back then was that uh, it's an archipelago. I mean, it's still an archipelago. Uh, the banking system is uh, it's pretty much relying on cash. So the Bahamian are transacting in cash. And when there were... Um, and they were literally, uh, as far as I know, uh, transporting cash to different islands. And that's how they um, kind of build the whole economy. Uh, and there's no digital um, or a free way to do digital uh, money across different islands. And therefore, the Central Bank of Bahamas having the foresight to say CBDC is actually solving a real problem here. And for us, when we, when we designed and pitched for that project, um, we wanted to have the basic functionalities of cash. So what does cash uh, look like? It has to be free to transact. It has to be as offline as possible. Uh, so there's offline component to, to, to the sand dollar solution as well. And it has to be um, um, like free as in no, cannot be traceable in, in a way that on a normal transaction, you 
just like cash, like you can't trace cash transaction on a normal day to day transaction. But when you have to, then you're gonna subpoena, and there's a way for you to then uh, get a get a permission to kind of uh, get more details on, on who's behind those transactions. So by default, Sand Dollar operates in a way that's very free. There's no clear identity that's attached to that. I'm not sure if that still is today, but from the way that we design it to be that identity and the actual transaction, it's it's decoupled. So, I mean, there's a way to still match those together, but you have to go through a certain process in order for you to match those two together. So that's the whole um, reason why we designed it that way. And also the about the offline component. So part of our pitch as well also covers how uh, sand dollar can function in a way without a connected internet. Let's say the um, let's say there's a um, uh, some of the island got cut off from the central uh, New Providence uh, island. You can still have a micro economy that's happening within the island itself. Uh, and once the connect- connection reestablished, then everything will be reconciled, and uh, all the ledger will be played back, and everything will be. Um, will work again. So just like cash, when an island is isolated from the rest of the world due to communications breakdown, whatever reason, you can see a microeconomy going around. Like, I mean, um, habitats in that island will still need to um, like buy the daily supplies of milk and food and all that. So you can still transact in cash, just like send all this. Well, you can still do all of that micro transaction when you got cut off. So that's the whole premise of uh, how send all is designed that way. Uh, and you can you might also realize that I haven't mentioned blockchain at all throughout this whole thing because a blockchain is, in my opinion, it's not a key ingredient in CBDC. Even though it's not involved blockchain, but it's a it's a second layer on what it's actually on the first layer, where it's it's, it's instant, it's immediate settlement, it's instant, and the blockchain is just to add that second layer. Uh, finalization to make sure that it's uh, temper proof and you can see all of that. Uh, like if you if you alter something on the first layer, on the second layer, you can see that it's actually um, moved. That's why it's designed that way, and I believe that's how we uh, we got awarded that project. I mean that, and as far as I know, um, back then there weren't that many CBDC um, offers out there when it comes to tech companies. I mean now you've got. Um, Myrad actually, um, but I, I'm guessing back then there was a reason why IBM specifically approached you um, as a company saying this this project is coming up. Are you interested in heading it up? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because we've done a lot of projects uh, on the blockchain space uh, for MNCs, for governments uh, before we even did Sand Dollar. Uh, when IBM uh, approached us, we wrote that uh, pitch together and uh, we ended up winning it. Uh, but somewhere along that that um, process, um, it, IBM uh, actually pulled himself out. So it was literally just, that's why we turned into a company, just NCA Limited in Bahamas, and we just uh, hire our own team and uh, we build it on our own. So I was CTO and co-founder of NCA, uh, and we had a small team that built that. Uh, and we actually had uh, people on the ground as well to talk to people and kind of understand uh, how they can integrate with Sand Dollar, talking to banks, talking to local uh, businesses and mobile money operators and how they get uh, leverage on Sand Dollar for their business. So even before we, we roll out the solution, we were already there talking to people, trying to build the best solution to solve what they actually want. 
And I mean, that's touching on a really important point when it comes to creating a CBDC, the involvement of the users or um, hopefully the users at the end of the day. I mean, the adoption for the cent dollar hasn't been um, astounding, let's say there are several reasons that are often quoted, which considerations that you know of were going on before the sand dollar was launched because um, the education of the people there and then um, selling the the unique value proposition to them. Um, this is, of course, something that we now say we have kind of learned from the sand dollar that needs to be put into place. How was that from from your end? Um, or was that actually not a consideration at all, as I can also imagine? And then in how far did the government talk to you about these issues? And in how far did they make an effort in doing these things? Uh, I'm going to share this from my point of view. So you may not tally with what the uh, Central Bank of Bahamas uh, actually um, see it or even the um, yeah the other people see it. I'm just going to share from my point of view. Um, the So the whole idea to do CBDC for the Bahamas was, I believe, started at least a year or two before we were awarded. So back then, um, the... Bank, you have some local banks, uh, some Canadian banks, but you don't have a very um, efficient banking system across multiple uh, family islands uh, in the Bahamas. That's what they call it. So there's a main island, New Providence, and the rest of the island that would collectively call family islands. You don't have a really freely connected um, banking system. So therefore, it leaves a gap for the central bank to say we can we can offer a good uh, connection where money can, it, it's a legal tender and you can use that to transact across multiple islands and and uh, and it's going to be very efficient. So that's where the whole premise is. And uh, But fast forward to when it was launched, I mean, throughout the whole two, three years uh, from the tender was put out to the tender was awarded and to the actual rollout, which was in uh, no, 2020, where we launched uh, a pilot uh, in Exuma. There have been a couple of advancements along the way. So mobile money operators started to pop up along the Bahamas. You get a lot of um, uh, private money where you can download a mobile app and you can have your um, your cash, I mean, like the stored value cash where you can transact in, in a supermarket. Then there are multiple providers in the Bahamas, uh, at least five or six of them over there. But they work. I mean, they all they don't talk to each other, but they work. And a lot of those uh, retailers they do support multiple of these. And even today, uh, it's a very active competition amongst the mobile money operators to to acquire the, the the customers there. But there is a solution that works over there even today without sand dollars. So, but and the difference between what we initially designed for sand dollar was that. It was designed to be directly consumer facing where there's a mobile app. There is a, uh, it's designed to be retail. Uh, and compared to today, as far as I know, sitting from here in Singapore, looking at the various um, sharings on social media from users and from the central bank, is that Sandola has now becoming more of a uh, settlement between different mobile money operators. Uh, I do see some banks getting involved from my point of view, but I don't think that's very active. Um, I see a lot of mobile money operators having uh, connectivity with Sand Dollar, and it's pretty primarily used for settlement uh, across different providers. 
uh, and the retail users don't directly hold a sand dollar wallet, but they hold actually a mobile money wallet that has a sand dollar connectivity on the on the on the back end. Uh, you could say that that's intentionally built because, yeah, like the the last mile problem. I think it kind of like probably pivoted along the way as well because as the more money operator came up, the central bank would would want to tap on these already well distributed apps to get more adoption on sand dollar. But at the same time, if a user download a mobile money app, you would tend to want to transact on that app itself rather than going through another layer of um, payment. Because if the retail and you having the same app, you can transact directly using the credit on the app itself. You don't need to go through another layer for that. It's usually when it involves two different apps, that's where you need to go to sand dollar. But most of the time, as far as I know, it's in, in the Bahamas, they, uh, I mean, they're like core, a few apps that people actually use, and those are pretty much widely installed by many people, including retail retailers. So, from my opinion, that's where Sandal kind of like, in in a way, adoption is kind of low because of that, because you don't really have that retail problem as it was when it was conceptualized. I mean, if you think about it, the idea was to connect all those archipelagos, and now you have another fractionalization vector basically introduced uh, with the CBDC, from what you're saying. Um, so this is probably also how you would explain the limited adoption rates so far, right? That fractionalization um, of payment service providers and uh, wallet providers? I would think that's one of the reasons because payment service providers are, they have pretty good coverage in Bahamas and generally uh, they are pushing for their app with sand dollar support, but that's usually secondary after only if the other party doesn't have the same app. Uh, and the other problem which I see, which uh, we talked about quite a bit even during the, the, the initial, during that inception period was that CBDC as a retail solution can could potentially be seen as central bank providing a direct banking service to to the people in that country to, to the users and that might that might affect an existing banking or mobile money business that's going on uh in uh, in the country and that's a reason why i believe that a lot of the countries including singapore is not doing a retail cbdc for that reason because you have a working solution why even the shopping in the first place you have a you have a yeah, you have very efficient so you can use cbdc to kind of act as a, a settlement layer yeah alongside um the interbank settlement layer that we have okay back to bahamas again so that's so central bank could be seen as directly providing that service so it's a very delicate balancing act for a central bank to want to offer retail cbdc and yet not affect an existing financial business, not disrupt it too much and not affect, not take away the, the private um, financial business. So what the what the central bank did was to get the the mobile money operators and the banks as kind of like a um, an identity provider into sand dollar. So San, central bank doesn't want to deal with retail users walking to the central banks, open a bank, open a, a sand dollar account. So you have to go through a mobile money operator to, to kind of get on board. This also tied in with a bit of the identity design. I can share a bit more of that. But if you rely on the existing private business to get on board, then you have this, you have the problem where the private business is like, why am I 
spending all this effort trying to get the users to have a direct banking relationship with the central bank or and not trying to get them on my banking solution where I get to make some money off that. Like, so provide the banking services or loan or whatever. So it's, it's a bit of that delicate balancing ad where it, it's hard to solve. I mean, I don't because I've never been involved. I can just imagine and read the reports of people that have, right? Um, but I mean, that's actually, there, there was a lot to what you just said, but um, I guess the two main themes were kind of um, developing a CBDC from the perspective of the government or the central bank saying, we want to have financial inclusion, we want to have all these things. And then you have the retail customers that are not coming from the um, collective interest perspective that are looking at it from the view of, what benefit does it give me if I download another um, app to pay uh, my my family with my friends, uh, my peers? Um, and I think this was also often quoted when it comes to the sand dollar. And then the second part um, that you mentioned was kind of the benefits for the authorized financial institutions that were involved, I guess, those offering the goods and services around the CBDC that came out. That would be like offering e-wallets, I'm assuming, or uh, web store payments. Was there anything else that was notable in terms of goods and services that they could offer that would make it attractive for them to offer this? It was largely e-wallet solutions in, uh, in the Bahamas. I mean, uh, the term that they use in Bahamas is mobile money operator. So, I mean, outside the world, largely known as e-wallet. Uh, in the Bahamas, there are a couple of them, and they are they are really efficient. They work really, really well, and they have very good reach to the people over there. And then most of the people in Bahamas has a couple of apps installed on their phone. Uh, and uh, before Sand Dollar, you have to take the same app as the other party to transact with Sand Dollar. You can go across um, different apps. It's mainly acting as a settlement layer. But that's the on, not on ramp, but that's the onboarding solution for, uh, for Sand Dollar. You have to go through these operators. You have to go through banks or these operators. I don't see banks doing it actively, but more, to, more of these e-wallet operators that are doing it to uh, get on board, to get a Sand Dollar account. Not directly getting a sand dollar account, but more as more more towards getting a, a sand dollar rail. Where if you want to go across providers, and you're going to get one of these wallets and just be able to pay uh, on another merchant that accepts sand dollar. And I guess you would have been more involved with, of course, not setting up the e wallets um, whatsoever, but more with uh, the sand dollar itself. Which actually leads me to another really burning question, um, and you already touched on it, the use or lack thereof of blockchain technology when setting up the CBDC. How was this decided? Um, essentially, kind of for how long was blockchain a part of the discussion? Um, that the CBDC being an account-based CBDC have anything to do with the fact that you said no blockchain for this? Uh, there's two layers on Sand Dollar. The first layer is a, a account-based solution where uh, we did build an app for that was released by the, the, the central bank um, that directly allow users to have a direct uh, Sand Dollar account where you can transact directly. So when a transaction occurs in that first layer, it's instant, it's an account-based. And the second layer of that is that there's a periodic settlement. It happens every uh, uh, couple of minutes that puts into the ledger uh, of all the transactions that happened within the last few minutes to a blockchain. So that blockchain was a Bitcoin uh, blockchain. Uh, it's a private Bitcoin blockchain. We forked it and then we add a couple of um, 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 transactions uh, or opcodes that allow um, that takes away the mining, so the nodes that were run cannot mine because you're not 
you're not supposed to be able to create like CBDC out of thin air. Uh, and exchanging that mining process into a opcode that allows central bank to be able to um, uh, mint uh, CBDC after they are back through their um, uh, the banking system. And that minting process also included the the various checks and uh, balances that are in there. So it was directly in, in integrated with the um, the banking system, which I forgot the name that was used now. Uh, and whoever that approves the mint actually goes on the blockchain now. So all these add transparency and audit layer of uh, to to ensure that the whole sand dollar is uh, is coherent, uh, both on the on, on the account layer and on the blockchain layer because blockchain comes with all these um, like the proof and all the hashing to make sure that you cannot alter on the top layer and that would not match on the second layer. So if someone alter something on the account layer, it would just cause the whole thing to to mismatch and error out. And was this a consideration that was kind of given to you from the government side or from the central bank side? And they said, these are the requirements or what we imagined. And then you had to figure out how to best technically translate that or how much leeway did you have in deciding? We had a couple, uh, we had quite a bit of leeway. I mean, it's, it's not a directive that was given by the central bank. It was a part of the tender document that lays out the problem that, that they want to solve. And that's our proposal that I believe won us that project. I see. And then at the end of the day, you did have some, some involvement um, of blockchain uh, in there. How was that kind of met? Was that met with skepticism at first or was it a, we trust you guys. This is why you got the tender. Um, what was the attitude? There wasn't a, any um, skepticism at all. I mean, we did pitch for that. And I went in there saying that like blockchain has this place for to add as a second layer, but I don't see its use on the first layer because, you know, order for you to transact, you don't want to have to wait even like two minutes to, to buy a cup of coffee. You just want it to happen instantly. And uh, there's a limit on how much you can transact on a blockchain. There's so many different things. And it's not that um, retail user friendly. So so we designed the first layer to be account-based where there's no limit on transaction. It can happen really fast and easily. And then we consult automatically every couple of minutes over to the blockchain. Uh, and for that, my, my, um, my idea about using a Bitcoin blockchain was that compared to the other blockchain was, uh, that was available around that time, The largest one were Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, perhaps XRP. Uh, XRP is probably not super open on the tech. And Ethereum, initially I was thinking about using Ethereum, but if you think about the core problem that we're trying to solve here, where we want to be like cash money. So if you want to be like cash money, then you should use a solution that's as close as possible, and even as dumb as possible, And very secure. Like Bitcoin has been around for 10 years, even at 2019 when we built that project. So it's proven itself across the last decade. It doesn't have a lot. It doesn't have smart contracts. Therefore, it's very, the, the, the attack surface is very, very small. And it's a very proven technology. It's, a, it's also very lightweight as well. So it allows us to, to run all these nodes on, the, on, on central banks and other entities that want to have a copy of the ledger could potentially also get a node. Uh, it's a private blockchain, but you can potentially run that. It doesn't sound across any issue. To have like a 
check and balance to make sure that everything is it, it's always um, tallies and you get a copy of the, the ledger everything tallies. All right. You were thinking about having the Bitcoin blockchain or Ethereum for that matter um, as the, the infrastructure for the sand dollar um, CBDC. That's super, super interesting. I was going to ask you as well, or in how far the next iteration steps for the sand dollar are kind of planned, if you can speak to that at all, or is there anything that you know, having been through the first iteration now that you said from the very outset, we should have considered the following variables um, or factors, or should have done something differently um, to give you maybe a little bit more of background here. Uh, when we look at the digital euro that's currently being discussed and proposed, we're talking about a version that doesn't necessarily dare a lot when it comes to functionality, when it comes to um, unique value propositions. Specifically from that angle, is there anything that you would do differently now or again have in the second iteration? I'm just going to lay a disclaimer here. I'm no longer involved in the Sand Dollar project. Uh, so I'm just giving this from my point of view and what was uh, discussed around probably the last couple of months before I left. The last few features that we worked on, that I worked on, was to connect with the um, the, the banking system that allows a retail user to top up easily on their bank wallet through just making a deposit from their other uh, bank banking software. Um, forgot the term; it's been a while now. But we did a direct connection, so you can still top up your bank account. That's more to add on the UX side to make it easier for you to get on board uh, to, to get sand dollar. The other features that we were planning for was to have a, I mean, we did pitch this, but I'm not sure it was accepted, but to allow cross-border possibility with Sand Dollar and the fact that it was based on Bitcoin blockchain. So it could also potentially be having a, a uh, public-facing part of that. So you can have a, a swap, atomic swap with, with uh, other, um, you can do a, an exchange or you can do a swap on the, uh, with the other cryptos or, or blockchains. So you can have more of a seamless uh, onboarding and of, of, of on-ramp, off-ramp experience. So you can connect with the rest of the, um, the, the blockchains and uh, cross-border transactions. Uh, we also talk about how you can make that happen. Yeah, and talk about other features like um, allowing um, um, loans to happen. Uh, on the blockchain itself, so having a little bit of a controlled smart contract capability on the blockchain to allow some loans to happen uh, on the blockchain, basically locked up on a smart contract and issuing based on collateral. Uh, so all of that we'll talk about, but uh, as far as I know, uh, it's not there yet. Uh, and I'm not sure what the direction is right now. I do see very active uh, push from the central bank on the on increasing adoption a lot of the uh, campaigns that were going on over there. So it's very, um, for me personally, as a, uh, as a architect for, for Sand Dollar, I'm just really happy to see uh, the, the, the increasing adoption of Sand Dollar over in the Bahamas. I know the adoption is still pretty low, but I'm just happy to see that it's starting to take up more now. And the last time I checked, I think just a couple of weeks ago, that I checked the merchant list on the uh, Central Bank website that accepts and all of the list has grown so long that I couldn't even scroll all the way to the bottom. Uh, so that makes me really happy. Congratulations on that uh, in hindsight, basically. Um, I do think the interoperability discussion definitely has its place when it comes to this. And I think that this could be one of the UVPs actually in this whole discussion, just because coming back to the individualistic versus um, collectivistic interests when it comes to CBDC, this is where you could actually uh, work and you say, Instead of paying five bucks in fees, we're actually going to get the five uh, bucks right into your bank account if I'm going to be sending you uh, money. 
via the sand dollar in the near future, hopefully. And then for my last question, I would like to ask you how come that you switch from being a CBDC architect to moving over into the DeFi space again? That's a very interesting question. Uh, for me, I come from an open world where I like to, I've been actively contributing to open source, uh, open source project uh, even before Bitcoin and gun cybersecurity and all of that. So I like an, an open connected world where it's free to do anything you want. And you can have free innovation. You have permissionless um, um, space to be creative about what you can do with it. And uh, that's why it got me to Bitcoin. That's why it got me to Ethereum. And uh, with CBDC, I, I, I like the fact that we're using an open solution to solve an actual problem on, on, the, um, uh, on the central money part. But what, I, what did um, kind of like um, bothers me as well is that CBDC... It's not a, it's kind of taking an open solution, kind of provide a closed solution to the actual user. Uh, so I want to go back to something that's more open where it's free to build something to facilitate a global trade, to, to, to facilitate global loan and, and all these uh, trusted smart contracts like cryptography and all these things that take away a central party to allow transactions to happen freely. So I like more into that side of things and I'm now actively involved in many different things, including building tools around Bitcoin. So I'm still pretty much into Bitcoin, into all nodes now trying to create open source solution to make, to make it easy again to build solutions that work on a very restricted blockchain uh, on, on a public Bitcoin and on a private Bitcoin. So yeah, so for me, I'm more excited on the open side of things rather than the closed side of things. So that's my that's why I got back to DeFi. Using, thank you so much for sharing your views and perspectives on the lessons learned in designing the Sand Dollar. Um, again, it was a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for coming onto the show today. Thanks, Masha, for having me.